Welcome back, everybody, to the Changing Times podcast, where we talk about anything and everything transformation-related. So just to kick it off again, uh, again, I'm here with uh, Urban Vixen, a.k.a. Foxy Dragon, and also uh, joined by Jao Genitsu, the uh, transformation fanatic, as well as werewolf wrestler uh, Mogrim. And uh, more on that later on here in a bit. So again, uh, welcoming you two here for the podcast. Hey, thanks for having oh, us back. Good to be here. We have our tea. We are good to go again. <laughs> All right. So to kick it off, uh, right into it, Mr. Jaganitsu, on the matter of your uh, werewolf wrestling, uh, which is an interesting matter in itself. So um, you mentioned before that... Uh, you joined this sort of uh, amateur, or I'm not sure if it's like a semi-professional wrestling team, and then uh, there came up the idea of having the persona of being a werewolf. So uh, how about you go in a little bit of detail with that? Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, it's not amateur-based. Um, I'm not an athlete in the uh, amateur wrestling sense. Uh, I am an athlete in the professional wrestling sense in that uh, we perform shows around the country for audiences of 200 plus folks to come and enjoy people getting dropped on their heads inside the squared circle. So yeah, um, whilst I may not be a TF artist or a TF author, um, as a long time TF fan, I've always wanted a way to incorporate my love of transformation and werewolves in general into uh, wrestling. Uh, as soon as I started training for wrestling, my idea for a gimmick, a character, was to take the furry slash werewolf fan inside of myself and ramp it up to 11 uh, so I could use it to perform as that character. So I've been training now for six years. Six years in the business. Um, I was brought in um, primarily as a referee uh, along coast, along doing the holiday camps along the south coast of the UK. Um, and whilst there I learned, um, the early stages of the business, um, from the veterans on the team, and I got to referee the shows and learn from the refereeing perspective of how to put a match together and, and, um, perform on, and from that level alongside, I was also training to be a professional wrestler as well. So I'm attending training, um, honing my, my experience and, and learning my craft that way. Um, through some great trainers along the way. Uh, recently, over the last two years now, um, a federation called Kapow, which stands for Creative Alternative Professional Organised Wrestling, has emerged in the UK. Um, the creative forces behind that are people I've known since I started in the business, uh, friends I made from the very beginning. And there are, the idea behind Kapow is that it is the promotion that is bringing the colours and the gimmicks back to British wrestling. Um, world of sport, you know, we have a lot um, that world of sport has given us. They pave the way, but obviously people don't want to necessarily see, you know, five rounds of five minute, mat uh, five minute rounds as a match for 25 minutes. They're not interested in the back and forth in, in that aspect as much these days. They don't have the time to invest in it. Whereas we're, we're very much the colorful character side of things. We have strong technical wrestlers. We have strong, uh, strong style wrestlers, we have the muscle men, we have the comedians, we have everything. But primarily, we're about characters. 
Uh, and from my very first training session with them, um, they immediately jumped on the idea that they need a werewolf. Um, previously, other training schools I'd gone to, they couldn't really get behind it. They were like, we don't get it. We don't understand it. We don't understand you. Um, I don't think this will work. Uh, and yeah, they were very evasive from it and they didn't really understand it. I'm like, okay, cool. No worries. But Kapow came along and they instantly went, yeah, we need a werewolf. Um, and so okay, can I we took- all just pause for a moment and, and enjoy the fact that people who had nothing to do with the TF community or, or, or anything like that turned around and went, we need a werewolf. <laughs> that is cool. It was pretty cool. It was nice to have a, a company that were like, that's a great idea. We could definitely that's use really it. Cool. And they've given me free reign as well. Like I, I can, you know, I've, I gave, uh, like character backstory and motivations to my trainers and promoters. And we're like, right, here is the, my character. And I'm like, cool. Um, you've given us like lots of backstory and motive, but you've got 10 minutes to make that, you know, come across to an audience. So we've kind of like condensed it down. We've slimmed it down. We've kind of like, um, combined it into a gimmick that works. So originally, you know, it was supposed to be like proper full blown werewolf, you know, <clears throat> howling at the moon and all that jazz. Whereas that doesn't really work from a professional wrestling standpoint. Uh, they were like, well, how about if you tone that side down, but bring up the fact that, you know, you are like the king of the lichens um, and come in from that aspect. So I can still be the werewolf, um, but I'm also, you know, representing a. Uh, like a larger pack as such, you know, I'm coming in, like we've got a tag team between myself and another, another wrestler called the mad dog, Brian Quinn, for example, he's not necessarily a werewolf character, but he is a big barking dog character. So it works quite well. And so, yeah, um, not only like, uh, again, being character based, we have crazy characters that, you know, you may not see in, the WWE or you may not see in TNA or um, whichever your local promotion is, you know, around, around the States or around the world. So we have Priscilla, the queen of the ring, who is our wrestling drag act. Um, she comes out in feathers and makeup uh, and she'll wrestle guys, girls, anyone. She's, um, she's one of our top performers, main eventers. We have a, a gym freak, uh, Mr. Massive Chucky C. He, he is the owner of Big, Big C's gym. And he'll come out and, you know, he's got the, do you even lift on his tight, uh, on his pants? You know, he's very much the gym freak, you know, loves himself sort of guy. Um, we have uh, other characters as well, like in uh, trainees that are just making their debut onto the Kapow roster. Like, for example, recently, um, Nick Ketchum uh, made his debut and stole the show he was on. Uh, Nick Ketchum is our WrestleMon trainer. And you may wonder what a WrestleMon trainer is, but essentially he throws his balls at wrestlers and catches them in them and then tag teams. So that's, that's his gimmick. And uh, again, we've got like El Tecnico Supremo, our high flying um, heavyweight luchador, uh, trash man, Marcus Broom, who is our resident sanitation expert. Um, Steve Luther is our, our suit and tie guy. He's a heel. He's the one that he's like, I don't want, colors or characters in wrestling it needs to be basic black and white so yeah um lot, all sorts of characters that are fitting and we're, we're traveling around the, the circuit now and, and kapow is coming up to its two-year anniversary so we're making a lot of buzz and yeah they they took the idea for the the wealth gimmick and they've helped me turn it into something that can 
you know, be used to on a show and people will boo the hell out of me because, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. Right. So yeah, I, I'm able to use the well fan inside of myself, the TF fan inside of myself as a way to use that in wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. And I've never been shy of the fact, like all the, all the guys in Kapow understand that I'm a furry and they're cool with it. I'll get ribbed all the time, but it's fine. It's just banter. <laughs> right. So it's certainly great that um, it's not, or I actually haven't heard of anyone else that's uh, able to enact their uh, passion into the real world, real world applications. So um, on that matter, then how about we talk a little bit about Magrim, the actual um, werewolf persona that you perceive. So uh, can you give us a little bit of a history on that? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, so Morgrim as a name came about from the fact that um, they needed a, a, a name that I could use in, in the heel aspect. So, you know, something that was very sounded bad guy, you know, you assume, oh yeah, he's definitely a bad guy. So, I mean, you have the moment it takes from the time you enter the, the arena through the curtain to the time you get into the ring to tell the audience what your character is. And the name is a big thing in that. Uh, and whilst I was trying to do the, uh, as a babyface, a good guy, I was being called Kid Wolf and that was pretty cool. Like Kid Wolf, Kid Wolf. It was very cool to like chant and stuff, but I didn't think um, being a good guy was the way to go. So when I, when Kapow were interested, I said, look, I, I'd want to be there as a bad guy. And they're like, okay, well, you need a new name then. I'm like, that's cool. Um, let me just copy and paste my list. I have a lot of names from werewolf lore and folklore <laughs> and myth and legend that I could use here. And they just scanned it through and went, nah, 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 nah. So like Lysaian went out, uh, Romulus and, or Remus went out, um, Lupin was gone. Um, and they eventually came down to like Morgrim, who is uh, obviously the White Witch's lieutenant from Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. And they went, that sounds good. Can you use that? I'm like, yep, I can use that. Uh, and the idea behind the character is that uh, he's the king of the wolves. Um, and he's got a, a grudge against um, humanity as a whole. Uh, he's kind of like um, like some sort of eco warrior, really. But he's not. You know, he's he's you know upset and and annoyed and angry at humanity for basically messing up the world. Um, so he's come to like you know put them in their place and, and explain that you know they're not the be all and end all in this world. So yeah, he's he's coming to bring his message across and, and put his stamp on it. And the way he does that is by dropping people on their heads. <laughs> Effective. Yes, indeed. So it is uh, very interesting to see, um, to see you be able to play out that sort of uh, lore into what you also like to do with the wrestling. So um, <clears throat> just sort of open up the discussion a little bit here. Um, in the, uh, in terms of the sort of role play experience that you're sort of describing here, uh, especially with, you know, the sort of tabletop games such as uh, Dungeons and Dragons and the like, do you two feel uh, that maybe role playing in real world applications may serve a, uh, a point with transformation in some time in the future? What do you mean by serving a purpose or serving a point well maybe i just out curious is there a, was there an aim in particular or well in the terms of uh say as a a uh sort of twist to the plot or a 
another variable to deal with uh like say for instance in the in terms of uh like dungeons and dragons where you would have all your characters uh same as like how Zhao has his Mogrim character and then uh say if your character is a shapeshifter so how that sort of ties in with the plot at hand and how his persona and his cool. you know you know his yeah, no, characteristics I get you. Right, yeah I'm- I'm going to deal with this in two ways, and one of them is accidentally a plug. Um, not for something I do, but for something I'm working on with someone at the moment. So the first thing is there are already roleplay systems like that, and uh, they are awesome. Like with most roleplay systems, um, ultimately just a character concept also needs a story or a motivation. It's, it's a tried and tested formula, but any of the ones I'm about to describe they have their own worlds and often they have some dark stuff to deal with or some spiritual stuff. And you can totally run a game and leave that setting aside and just use the templates. But the try and tested formula is basically if you sit a bunch of people in a room and make characters, even though it's quite interesting, um, it, it's more compelling if you also have sort of a, a story or a guide for a potential story. And they include, I'm sure some of your listeners heard about these, Werewolf, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Um, and it's less favoured and I don't I say don't like it as much unfortunately but that's very much a matter of opinion Werewolf the Forsaken uh, within that world there is also the Changing Breeds and again there is a, a subsequent one for that those are all White Wolf uh, White Wolf's role plays are all based in the world of darkness and the premise for the world of darkness is that it's basically our own world but slightly different it's slightly darker something's gone wrong so it's our world but there are monsters in the shadows. Vampires do, you know, vampires exist. Vampires control things. Um, you know, there are dark spirits and things like that. Uh, the werewolves in the first one, Apocalypse, um, it basically, there are three great spirits, the worm, the weaver, and the wild. And two of them are completely out of balance, which is why cities, for example, are destroying the countryside, because it's actually subtly the machinations of that. The worm is basically corruption, and it can be anything from corruption and pollution to horrible mutations to um, to just like the destruction of values, you know, violence uh, of a spouse against a spouse. And this is me massively simplifying it. But as werewolves, your task is essentially you can go behind the scenes, as it were, and you fight to put things right or you negotiate or and you have powers and things. But the core element of the game is you become a werewolf. And you have several forms. You have your just plain wolf-like form, but you also have this big warrior one, which is because they are warriors, because they have to fight to save the world like this. Forsaken works in a similar way. Changing breeds is like the fluffier one in the same world, which (laughs) is basically the same thing. You shapeshift, but they don't have... um, There's all kinds. I mean, basically, there's dragon shifters, fox shifters, raven shifters. There's even rat shifters. Um, absolute fab and they've all got their own like where the werewolves are the warriors the dragons are the memory or the foxes are the uh, the cunning and the ingenuity i think i might have that one wrong but so they they created worlds in which you totally can play these and you can play a group of people you could make yourselves um sometimes risky in a role play game because you can get emotionally invested if you're playing yourself in a way that can be a bit complicated mm-hmm. but you could play yourselves able to transform into your animals um and that would give you a place to play as that so it already exists and uh, Joe and i have actually done it uh we did a, a werewolf campaign and so yeah I'd, I'd say it already exists absolute fab as a way to express your tf interest depends what you're into 
I mean, like I said, I, I love that that physicality. So for me, that visceral, so that transformation into the big warrior werewolf, absolutely love. But at the same time, I loved the transformation and dealing with the the more wolfy kind of werewolf because then it's all about the perspective and the way you look at things and, and the different senses. So it already exists, and that's wicked. Um, I'm actually part of a project that, uh, unlike many role play systems people set out to make, it may go somewhere, it may not. Right now it's a bit of fun and we're going to make it work. We're actually going to be doing uh, some play testing at our UK Ferry Convention this year. Um, and it's called Far Fur Future is the Far Fur Future. That's the working title. Uh, it's probably going to change to something better. Um, the premise there is, again, not that original, but the, the premise behind it needs to be, but it's essentially. Uh, humans now live in dome cities, uh, virus or something similar wipe them out um, in order to not be vulnerable to the virus. Um, you basically transform into a, an animal like form. And it is that because change of the genome and you have things like you have your I think we're calling it an aspect um, and you have become attuned to that and the things like, you know, the, the reptile guys, not just slowing down in the heat, but also it moved really quickly. Do I eat it? that change in the mentality. Um, so that, again, totally you can play with that for role play. Um, live action role play, which, which I do a fair bit of, it's all going to come down to the costumes and actually transforming and enjoying the transformation in characters is not always going to be possible because, of course, the amount of costume changes you'd need. But, you know, being, say, a, a werewolf in a, a live action system, totally doable, be amazing fun, especially if you found the right system for it. Um, I absolutely, yeah. I, I absolutely think the two go together, but it's again, it's a different kind. It's a different way of approaching transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely does sound interesting, uh, especially with the uh, project you go on, got going there. So uh, yeah, that, <laughs> was, I was mean, not expecting the question, so totally accidental plug there, but yeah. <laughs> And yeah, uh, Vixen and I are long-time tabletop role-playing gamers. Like we've we've spent years and many a, many a. 12 hour session back in the day of, you know, being other people. Um, and I guess with the wrestling, yeah, you could totally say that we are essentially doing role play. Like we are big, we are, you know, role play. We are a, a different character. Um, and yeah, Morgrim has a lot of influence from the world of darkness system and the setting as well. Um, especially in certain aspects. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I go out, in front of a, a crowd of 200 plus people on a regular basis, pretending to be a werewolf. Um, and whilst I can't really do like a transformation sequence, uh, we don't have the budget for it. Um, I have been able that to film. Awesome. It would be awesome. I have been able to film certain things where I can sort of emulate the change. And, and there's a, there's a couple of videos online um, where, you know, we filmed stuff around town and, you know, we were doing something similar with that sort of type deal. It would be lovely to be able to do a, like a, like a TF sequence um, in a full-fledged video for Kapow, that would be awesome. Uh, but it comes, I mean, you need a lot of money and a lot of technical know-how as well. Uh, but yeah, as far as playing a character in a real-world setting goes, like wrestling, <laughs> some of your listeners may, you know, shake their heads and snigger, but wrestling is many things. In certain aspects, it's not really wrestling, um, but we are actors, we are athletes, we are entertainers, we are comedians. We are, we are so many varying things and people say, ah, oh, but it's fake. And my answer is, yeah, but so are movies. You still enjoy those. The idea but, of wrestling is that fun. it is fun, 
Um, and the idea is you come and watch a show um, and we will do our utmost to suspend your disbelief so that you can, even though you know in, in your core of your head that you're like, yeah, this is fake, we will do everything in our power to make you forget that. If that means we have to um, put on hard-hitting matches where we will lay it in harder to get you to go, oh, God, they're laying it in. Or if we have to drop someone on their head so much that it looks like it looks like we're doing damage to people, then we will. You know, I prefer to wrestle strong style. I, you know, I like to be hit hard and I like to, you know, hit hard back because it's believable and it helps people enjoy it more, you know, suspend their disbelief even for five minutes. And then, you know, we'll have a match between a drag queen and a, and a gym freak and, you know, <laughs> stuff will happen. But that's the idea. I mean, yeah, I'm, I am, I am role-playing every time I step through that curtain. Um, but because it's got, you know, just a smidgen of myself, you know, it's basically myself turned up to 11. You know, that's why the character works. The best characters of wrestling are basically yourself amplified. And that's what I'm doing. Right on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any of you are interested, like if any, any listeners are interested in, in looking up Kapal, then, you know, a quick plug will be, you know, www.kapalwrestling.co.uk. Um, you can follow them on Twitter at, at Kapow UK. Um, you can find them on YouTube under um, Team Kapow, and you'll see some highlight videos and some other videos that we've done as well, and you can see what the company's about. All right, definitely. And uh, and another little shout, actually, oh. I recently found out that I'm not the only, um, you know, wrestling furry in, in, the, in the business. And I didn't think I would be, um, but recently I've discovered that there are a couple of other wrestling furs in the, in the US that are wrestling locally in you know, independence around their, their parts of the country. So fair play, you oh. know, there's, there's a, re- a fairy wrestling contingent. <laughs> it's a new fandom. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, definitely is interesting to see you able to act out your um, inner passion for your other passion there. Um, so, and has there been any thought to maybe creating like a comic based on the, um, the world that the Kapow um, organization has utilized? Given that Kapow is a promotion that is made by geeks for geeks, you know, we're very much a comic book promotion. You can see that in our, in our website and in our, our roster itself. You know, we are all very much geeky in one way or the other. Um, a Kapow comic, an official Kapow comic would be a lot of fun to do. Um, but there are so many characters that, you know, it'd be, it'd be, which ones do we do? Who do we spotlight? You know, but certainly, um, to like a comic book style, you could, we could definitely commission certain artists to do some gimmicks for us. And, you know, I mean, I, I've got some ideas for Morgrim that I need to have done. Um, I've got to get some t-shirts made up. So I need a design for that just because, you know, one of the best ways to make money in the business is is to sell, sell stuff to fans. Um, and t-shirts tend to sell like wildfire. So I really should get on that. <laughs> All right. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, sort of to, uh, move on from that subject here, um, going back to the general topic of, uh, transformation, I know we've, uh, sort of went into it already here, but, um, one things I kind of been talking about with previous podcast episodes is the, uh, relationship between, uh, the TF fandom and the real world, of course. So uh, just sort of elaborate on what I was saying here about uh, plugging in transformation into like the role-playing world. 
but even more broad sense, uh, what do you feel about the general consensus in the perspective of transformation as compared to the likes of uh, of like furries, how furries are conceived in the world today? Uh, do you think that with transformation, since it's maybe not as far niche, maybe more relatable to more popularized subjects, that it could be more welcomed into the general consensus? As in transformation is a mainstream thing? Mm-hmm. I think it's all, I mean, on the one side, it's already a mainstream thing. I mean, we get as many transformation movies as, okay, actually, we probably don't get as many, but there are plenty of transformation movies out there. And again, things like Gargoyles, plenty of series. And equally, I mean, when it comes to furry, if we're going with that definition of it's essentially just the enjoyment of anthropomorphism or some aspect of that, it's really hard to pin it down, obviously then, you know, half the Disney movies are furry. So in terms of being accepted, I'd say we already are. But I also think that, I mean, there's a trend, particularly with, you know, now we're with Facebook and Twitter and everything, the idea that what we are should be received publicly. And I don't mean that with us, like with transformation community itself. What I mean is in general. And we don't really need the world to go, oh, transformation's a thing and absorb it. There is, it's already part of the global consciousness. I mean, the whole question of the psychology of man, our connection with animals, I mean, it goes back to most mythologies. That I can't think of mythology that doesn't have some aspect of transformation in it. It's something we've always resonated with and something we've always questioned is our relationship to animals and whether there is a way to bridge the gap. I don't think you'd find people, at least not as many people, discussing the phenomena of furry in high academia as discuss the subject of transformation. I mean, huge numbers of scholarly articles just dedicated to the really interesting thing that is transformation. I think we're already really accepted. I mean, that, okay. that's just my two cents. I mean, it depends, it depends where you set your benchmark. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's... certainly we sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just certainly. You know, if I said to someone, I'm a TF fan, they wouldn't know what, what I was talking about. But I'm sure there's a bajillion hobbies out there that I wouldn't have a clue what someone was talking about. It doesn't necessarily need to be a case where everyone knows about every hobby. And that's what I mean with the Facebook, Twitter, Twitter generation thing that we, we find ourselves in now. We have this idea that everyone should know. And actually, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I think we'd be accepted. So, uh, in a sense here... Excuse me. In a sense here, are you saying that uh, with transformation, um, it's already been welcomed since uh, you have the, and uh, and this is sort of coming from my own opinion here from what I've observed, that uh, when it comes to the general populace with transformation as compared to furries, uh, with transformation, the usual um, basis here is that the, the, uh, victim in hand here starts as a a human or a man and he becomes something else whereas with furries of course you're starting from the very beginning as a different uh, species so do you are you saying that with transformation the sort of uh i guess comprehension of uh, such a phenomena is more welcomed because it's a more of a realistic um sense here I don't, wouldn't necessarily realistic, though I think that's an aspect of it. It's quite interesting that you brought that up. 
I think it's just very innate. I think if you walked up to most people on the street, actually, if you asked, walked up to most people on the street and said this, it would go very strangely. But if most people, an anonymous survey were asked, have you ever imagined transforming into an animal? I think you'd get a huge amount of yeses. If people are honest, I, I really do. I mean, just even to say, uh, I, if I were to say in conversation to my friends, oh, I, uh, I had a dream the other day where I transformed into a raven and I, I flew or I did this or something like that. I think a room as a whole would generally go, unless they were like, yeah, what are you telling us about our dreams for? But the room as a whole would go, oh, yeah, no, I've had that. You know, oh, man, I mean, I, I used to love the idea that like if I could turn to a dragon or something. Whereas if you were to say to people, you know, I, I dreamt that I was an anthropomorphic vixen. People would be, because it is a detail tied down, because it is a thing of anthropomorphic, it's more descriptive, it's more finite. I think it is in that self. It, it's, what am I trying to say here? I think because transformation is so broad, and so I think innately in just the human consciousness, people encounter the idea, even subconsciously or sometimes through religion, it even turns up in the Christian religion. Um, I think that people are quite familiar with that and have had an experience. Whereas because furry is specific in some ways, it's less broad. So people may have not had the same experience. It does mean, therefore, people are able to label furry, whereas people might go, so what exactly is, what, what, what is transformation? What is transformation as opposed to sort of the general experience of it? It's hard to pin down, but I think, I think that's the root of it. Okay, so in that sense, then, do you feel that the idea of furry as compared to transformation is uh, a little bit more controversial, or would you think it's the other way around? I think the controversy doesn't come from the words or the fandom. In that same way that the, the lady I described earlier, um, she thought that I was talking about her sexual preferences when I was talking about her preferences generally. And if they happen to be sexual, okay. Um, whereas with transformation, it's, there is no preconception. There is no, because people don't know that there's a community out there. People don't already automatically assign what it means to be a TF fan. Whereas unfortunately, furry has, there's a lot of preconceptions because of so just a few bad you know, newspaper things or just the fact that people are aware of us. It's the same yeah, as with the, live role play. The, the, the TF community doesn't, doesn't have a CSI episode doing like a, 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 a <laughs> shame piece on the furry fandom, let's be honest. Um, yeah, I don't think that there's a reason that, you know, you, we as a community, it's like, it's cool enough that we exist as is. I'm quite happy that we have a community where we can chat and talk about these things and all levels of transformation, all varying kinds of transformation as well. You know, we don't need to be mainstreamly accepted or have the appearance of being accepted by the mainstream because the fact that we exist is enough for me. You know, I'm, I'm quite happy, you know, being in the CF community. I'm quite happy being in the furry community. Um, and the fact that, you know, we have, we have a, a strong community that is very supportive of one another you know, it is, is nice to see, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I'd worry that if we were to become overnight mainstreamly accepted, if that's really what you're trying to go for, you know, it mm -hmm. would change that. Right. You know, I, I don't, I don't see a, a <laughs> we are an alternative subgenre community. If that was then put to the forefront, it would 
you know, change it in many aspects, a lot of the ways that the TF community works as a whole. You know, I mean, furry is mainstream. You know, it's, it's uh, a pop culture phenomenon. It's widely accept- accepted in most areas of the world, apart from those who don't get it. And those people who don't get it aren't going to get it. And that's going to be the same thing yeah. with the TF community. You know, at yeah. least... You take the good with the bad when you get the publicity. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, even, you know, and, and you're going to get, you're going to get haters anyway. You're going to get people that don't understand. And if they don't understand, they're likely to hate it because that's how, unfortunately, some humanity works. <laughs> um, but it literally doesn't depend what you are or what you do. I mean, I, I teach a martial art that I, I absolutely very, I'm very passionate about it. And I teach, I teach our defense to kids. And there are people, the more uh, well-known I became, who got really aggressive about it. And it literally, that was a non-contentious issue. Uh, it, it's a totally pacifist martial art. It's, I think it's a non-contentious issue and you get people who will rave. I mean, the more public we get, the more problem it'll be. But at the end of the day, if you ran into the city centre and jumped on a table and screamed, I am a furry, you get exactly the same response as if you ran into city centre and jumped on a table and said, I am a TF fan. And it wouldn't be because you were a furry or a TF fan. It's because you jumped on the table and started shouting in the middle of the centre. Okay. <laughs> also, you're more likely to get someone go, I like Transformers too, than anyone going, yeah, I like TF. Also true. Also <laughs> true. Right. Because so, if you're going to say TF fan, then you know, nine times out of ten, they're probably going to assume you just like Optimus Prime. Right. Who is pretty but cool. Who doesn't, doesn't pretty like Optimus exactly. Prime? Exactly. Who, who doesn't like Optimus Prime? Apart from Michael Bay's version. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can you tell we're friends? <laughs> <laughs> but no, like the one thing that does irritate me though from a community standpoint is that and I see it in the furry fandom and I see it in the TF community and I see it in other communities I'm a part of is that there are you know, people will will will, you know, hate on subgenres of the fandom, you know, um a lot of TF fans will have snide remarks about other TF fans. You know, maybe not in the same genre as them. Same as the furries, they'll be like, oh, you're into that. Well, I don't like you. But, you know, I'm like, but yeah, I like that. But I'm also a furry. Like, we should probably not be discriminating against inside of our own communities. Like, we're all here because we we like the same thing. Like, that's not, that's not hate for no reason. Yeah. Anything worth And nine times out of ten, it is just, you know, nine times out of ten, it is the minority. And, you know, the minority, you know, can be loudest sometimes, but that's no, you know, that's not hate for the sake of hating when we, you know, all it takes is just some understanding. Right, right. So just to sort of uh, summarize all that then, um, do you two feel that with these furry communities and these transformation communities and then uh, putting in the general perspective in hand here that really the idea of both of here um, are pretty similar in the sense that the general populace kind of views both as a uh, sort of a taboo, which in itself is sort of ironic since um, taboo is really something that's obviously uh, not done out of the norm. So, of course, everybody, uh, whether it be sexual or just a simple passion that they have for themselves has their own fetish here that the sort of 
uh, idea of a taboo sort of pushes away that idea of a furry or a transformation from the general populace. See, we didn't say taboo, but I find that quite interesting. And that might be a cultural difference over here and um, across the pond where you are, darling. Oh, we go. got the British accent in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> but I actually, no, no, absolutely not. I mean, I think transformation is not remotely taboo. I think what is taboo is, and now we're going on to the, we don't have a name for it. So it's the equivalent of talking about the fervert elements of furriness. Um, what is taboo is talking about your sexual preferences um, in public or, or demanding attention be paid your sexual preferences. It will always be taboo. Well, I say it will always. I, I expect it will be taboo for a good long time to be like, I get turned on by this. I get turned on by that. But the same is true. If I were to walk, if I were to go at people and like within five minutes of a conversation, I'd say, yeah, doggy style's my favorite position. Or, you know what? I really get off on reverse cowgirl. You know, that kind of thing would just be like, whoa. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, didn't necessarily need to know that. Or, or even you talk about fetishes, either it's just a case of you're talking to someone for five minutes, you've no intention of pulling the person, but you say, you know what, I really like it when someone bites me really, really hard during sex. How awkward would that be? That's pretty awkward. <laughs> Ser- uh, yeah. Be seriously that's- awkward. And so that's the thing. I mean, where we're, if you're talking about striving for acceptance, the idea of transformation does not need to strive for acceptance. As I said, I mean, I've got a bookshelf full of actually quite academic books on the subject. Um, Wild Animus, great, great little book uh, about a guy who basically goes on a modern day spirit quest for as a ram. Um, but ultimately, the underlying thing of the novel is it's all drug induced and actually becomes quite a, a harrowing story about drug abuse. Um, but the aspect of transformation and how it releases him and how it connects him. It's an incredibly academic subject. It's an incredibly uh, universal uh, human experience. Transformation isn't taboo. But to go around and say, I really love staring at pictures of whether you were to say pictures of women turning into cows or whether you were to say pictures of naked women with their tits out. Doesn't matter what you're saying. If you're going to say it like that, it's going to be taboo, you know? Yeah, that that's 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 the thing that's, you know, going to turn people off. I mean, you know. Yeah, transformation as a whole has been around for a long time. You know, it goes back centuries. You know, every myth and legend and every na- every nation's folklore has its own variations on the subject. It has been around in 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 you know human culture for well ever since we were essentially. It's always been there. It's just that now with the internet, we can you know make communities up and role play it all the and time. I- I think it's a mistake to shout for acceptance um, because in the same way that um, being gay, I mean, something that is just totally, you know, natural, something that is non-contentious, you know, it's not something you've adopted and, and joined a community of, you know, you are just gay. If you'd were to then say join a community and then go from site to site saying accept us because we're gay, the problem wouldn't be anything to do with sexuality the problem would be that if you went on to a group that had nothing to do with sexuality or or human experience at all say it was about cars and did it it, it's an invasion and and if we jump up and down and go we're really into transformation accept us people will go well i i didn't have a problem with you to start with why why are you essentially in my living room shouting at me to accept you (laughs) you know um so, I mean, we, we don't need to push for acceptance. We really don't. And then the more we do, the more we risk isolating ourselves. Um, if we feel, if anyone in the TF community feels not accepted, 
I mean, the the bottom line is, I, I'd I'd really like you know those people to feel accepted. So I'd be quite interested to hear what it is or what experience made them feel not accepted because there's probably something else at play. Uh, alternatively, some human beings are just douchebags. So you it's know. true. <laughs> I mean, you know, the TF community is not a civil rights movement. Okay, <laughs> like, we're not going. We're not here to, you know, do that sort of similar. I mean, you know, that's a different. Um, conversation for another time but yeah like mm-hmm. we don't we don't need people to go oh i totally accept you because you like this you know <laughs> that's not something that we as a community need yeah. no especially when some parts of the world are having problems with with the, the with the lbgt communities you know mm. uh, if, if and humanity again, that... sorry i was just gonna say again that could be cultural because one thing when we uh we spoke before cheesy i was very aware of is actually i think we have a much more accepting community generally over here than unfortunately you guys do in some ways, only in some ways. Um, mm. So we're used to the idea of being able to speak about most stuff. Yeah. We, we, we're kind of like pretty easy with the, that sort of thing. You know, we we're very, we're very laid back about all sorts of those issues as a whole. Okay. So uh, very interesting things to hear from both of you. Uh, so in that, regards then that sort of segues into my next question here since we're talking about uh communities especially uh in your uh side of the world there so uh how about we talk a little bit about the community in the uk as far as transformation goes um what are sort of the differing aspects that you two have sort of noticed comparing the two from the uk and the us and the like I I haven't had the single opportunity to go uh, and engage with the furry fandom on the ground or any of the, uh, I, I'm saying furry fandom because I most TFers I've met are furries as well, but obviously a lot aren't. I haven't had a single chance to engage on the ground with people from the US. So most of what I'm picking up from actually is from you guys and your podcast. Um, some chatting, but that's also, is that internet culture? Um, I, I the TF guys in the UK, there are a fair few of us. Uh, I see more and more every time I go to a con and they're all legends. They're all really good, really friendly guys and girls. And yeah, we've, I think we've got a really good community here. I've just got nothing of the American to compare it to. Unfortunately have to change that. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, um, again, it's kind of hard to see, you know, I, 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 we don't have, we don't have a TF fan con, as it, as it were, as far as I know. Um, so the only, the only experience I've got in the real world is, is meeting other ferries at Furcons. And, uh, this year at Confuzzled, I will be hosting a TF event, you know, a meet and greet for other TF fans to come and shoot the TF breeze, you know, for an hour or so with like-minded folks, which will be very nice just to, you know, have a cup of tea with other TF fans and just shoot the breeze. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, again, as as Urban Vixen said, uh, you know, realistically, apart from online role play, which I do quite often, uh, and listening to this podcast, you know, um, it's very rare that I'll have the opportunities to talk with TF fans on a on a one to one basis. Um, but uh, you know, it's been, this podcast has been really good for you know highlighting some some members of the community and and helping them getting their names out there. Like uh, you know, uh, you had. Um, uh, Cobalt K uh, a few episodes ago and uh, I may have like immediately started reading his comic and I'm currently now up to date and waiting on a weekly basis to go come on update this is awesome you know so it's it's nice to 
that's where you know you're bringing the community together as a whole and i didn't know i didn't know his of his work before that podcast so it's nice to you know see the community come together um we really should organize a tf con that would be awesome <laughs> definitely would and we so, probably couldn't call it the tf con um fairly sure transformers have that <laughs> Quite so like, like <laughs> changing times the convention there you go cheesy <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> that'll be a little too biased <laughs> <laughs> biased i am totally not biased in any way to anyone on this podcast sorry i'm just uh, this is my brain but i'm immediately writing a comic now in my head about all the tfers come together for a con little do they know that someone slips something into the ventilation system <laughs> yeah i mean i'm just I mean, saying could... a little tf comic in my head. Oh, anyway I'm next just... question next question <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah that should be drawn that'd be awesome i mean it you know I mean, that kind of almost happened at MFF last year. Oh, do, oh, you did not go there. I did. Hey, I'm just saying that we don't know if, you know, or some of them might have come out of that experience a little bit changed. Awkward last time. <laughs> All right, then. Well, uh, some... Definitely uh, interesting things to hear from you two on that. Um, now, one thing I did sort of forget to uh, mention here was uh, the TF clinic of yours, uh, Urban. So um, how about we go a little bit in detail about that? Definitely. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, this this time, obviously, we were doing a bit of re-recording now, but I'm a lot better now. I was very, very unwell and just... Even whenever I talk about the TF clinic, basically, I've been extremely unwell with a long medical condition that took me out last year. So a lot of the work on that has been postponed. As you can hear the difference between this and when we did the first recording, I've had a big breakthrough in my treatment. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot more TF clinic. All the arcs are going to be finished and up very soon. And we're starting some new ones, which is nice and exciting. Um, but the long and the short with the TF clinic is it all started uh, thanks to a, a wonderful man called Jay Krolak, uh, who is a great supporter of the TF community. He commissions a lot of artwork. He's also got a, a lot of supportive words to say for people starting out. He's a great guy. Uh, he's been going through some tough times lately. So collectively, guys, send him your hugs or prayers if that's the kind of thing you do. Um, and he had a commission for me. And we got talking. And the essence of it was a transformation, but done from a realistic point of view in a clinic where the treatment, where all aspects of the transformation, the physiological, the psychological changes, the anatomical changes, what would be required? What would be involved? What kind of equipment do they need? What would a person need to make the transition wholly and healthily? And it went from there. And the whole purpose of the clinic is it is a place where you can go and you can receive a treatment to transform. It's it's technically it's a one way transformation. Nobody has uh, decided to go the other way yet, but you know maybe one day there will be. And the transformation takes place medically over the course of weeks or months. And it the actual work. These are comics. These are sequences that cover the even just the simple things like the transition from for a centaur from two legs to four legs involves a really awkward stage in the middle where because of the way horses are, horses can't lie down for a very long time because their organs settle. It's very uncomfortable for them. So how do you deal with the fact that at a brief part in the middle, you're basically hanging forward from a horse with a person on top? 
and the furniture and the way that you know we have wonderful people at the clinic, counsellors and physicians who help people through everything. And everything is designed to make your transformation a reality. And it's about doing these really realistic comics like that. And what I do is I I uh, get the journals that our clients write during their transformations. And uh, they they share some of their favourite photos from their transformations and some of their thoughts as they were going along. And we like to post them online just to tell people the amazing work the clinic's doing and get them to support. Obviously, the out of character thing is essentially it was a crowdfunding uh, that I was starting to do to try and get it so I could just afford and just manage to do more and more sequences for people because uh, cramming in the time to do them just wasn't a reality. But people loved them. People really wanted more. And I was getting more commissions than I could do. And a lot of the time people were asking for something where I'd like to see this. I don't have a character for it, but I'd really like to see this. And I realized that it's what people would really like. Um, we'll potentially be going on to Patreon soon because uh, I've had a look at Patreon. And actually, I think it's a really good model for it. Um, that'll be from the next lot. I want to finish the current sequences and then do a little bit more uh, as a thank you to everyone before I do that. But the yeah, the clinic is something I, I really enjoy doing. And it's that style of voluntary slow anatomical transformation uh in as much as my art style has been able to do my art style has improved a lot since i very first started um and it's that style of transformation as i said i do draw and i do like the the very sudden rough transformations but this is a real uh, exploration of that kind of slow realistic transformation right on and it's very very cool yeah and um so i'm looking at your site now so uh, as far as the future um, patients that you might have, are you going to still sort of, uh, I guess you could say, enforce or uh, sort of push for this kind of donation-supported uh, system with the different patients? Absolutely. And if I can, what I want again is uh, we have a number of people who are awaiting transformation who can't fund it themselves. So they want to uh, to present their case to say who they are and, and their, their motivation to transform and have people vote or contribute to fund their transformation. Obviously, Accra to fund the sequence. Um, the reason I like Patreon is because it's not, say, uh, I, the monthly thing that the Kickstarter thing doesn't work. It's really tough for art, um, especially you know, given the unfortunate experience that a lot of us have had with Kickstarter. But the way, because of the way Patreon works, it can be per sequence. So it's a case of people can opt into this one or that one. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a nice secure way because people have a lot of faith in that. Obviously, the way I was doing is very secure, but Patreon manages a lot of things. And basically means, yeah, people can vote. They can, they can upvote. And then it's a case of, right, it's these guys who's transforming this month. And go from there. That, that model, I'm going to see how it works. Obviously, I've got a few kinks to work out and I want to finish the sequences first, but that's what we're going to go for. Something like that. Okay, awesome enough. So, uh, on that regards, that is bringing us towards the uh, close of this episode. So, uh, is it just me, or did we miss all of the really interesting art questions we did last time, like about uh, imitation, tracing, things like that? Really looking forward to doing those again. I had a couple extra thoughts actually. Oh, really? And uh, what kind of yeah. thoughts are those? Well, last time, last time we did the record, you we were, and I can't remember exactly the way you phrased the question, but you were essentially asking for what we thought about um, copying, tracing, the 
the the phenomenon of other art theatre of just copying other people's work and posting it up. Um, and that was it was a surprise that you asked that. Um, so I kind of I thought on the spot and I uh, I came with a few things and a few of the things I came up with, as you might remember, were things like, you know, it, it's it's a case of you don't have to post everything online. The simple fact is, you know, if you need to learn, there's there's a stage where you learn and a stage where you progress. But I I had an extra, I had a chance to actually formulate my thoughts on that. So I don't know how much time we've got, but I'd I'd love to to deal with that one before we sign off. All right. Well, what you got? <laughs> How much do we have? What do I got? Oh, okay, cool. I will launch. Um, well, basically, when it comes to it, um, people often we're quite disparaging of it, and I think there's a, a sad trend at the moment that we're because of the internet shows are so many good artists, and um, there's a sad trend to judge people who are learning, and particularly with the idea of tracing. Um, obviously, we're distinguishing this completely from the idea of art theft. You know, if you copy someone else's work, whether you whether you trace it or whether you just take the work itself and you pass it off at your own, that is wrong. Um, there's no two ways about it. I mean, it's really damaging for the artist, um, but it's also just it, it's not cool. It is insulting and it can be quite hurtful, actually. So putting actual art theft aside, the fact is that most artists have traced at some point in their learning. And anyone who says they haven't is either an exception, which is fantastic and fair play to them, um, <laughs> or they've forgotten, or they they just don't consider what they did tracing. Because I remember when I was a kid, and when I was learning to draw, is when I was very young, I had my darling Kindersley books, I had my my photos and things like that, and I'd be copying from that. It's how I learned how to draw. You know, I had my my DK Wales book. I was massively into Wales just copied all the pictures and it's how you learn the problem is now if someone wants to start learning to draw at say 23 rather than three they're going to have to go through that same curve and there's no problem with looking at something you like and learning to draw from that and there's again we discussed this in the last one there's no need to post everything you've done online and certainly if you are copying it always credit it always credit it but the fact that, you know, if you trace someone, if you actually trace it line for line, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't need to post it online. It's a great learning experience. Let it be that. If you're deriving it, like you've looked at a few things and, and now you're drawing separately, by all means, I mean, pop it up on one of the review sites, one of the sites. There are some great communities out there where people give you feedback and actually say, this is something I copied from this. Um, what do you guys think? Because you can learn so much with pencil technique and things like that, even though you've copied. And the really interesting thing is, as I said last time, everyone goes through this curve. We wouldn't have Picasso if people were never allowed to imitate. Everyone is inspired by what you see. Your, your inspiration comes from what you've experienced. Art is never created in a vacuum. And there's a principle, I mentioned a martial art earlier. There's one of the principles that we talk about is shuhari. And just in briefly, but it's essentially, it's the description of the learning curve where you imitate, then you interpret, and then you understand. You will, you'll learn to punch, for example, or you'll learn to block by copying someone. And then you'll understand the finer points, like why you angle your hand that way to deflect the force that's coming at you. And then you'll hit the point where you'll just repeat it. You can just do it without thinking. And then you'll hit the point where you realize that actually, if you adjust it slightly based on your height, your body weight, whatever, it's more effective for you 
And you can then, the, as you might almost get spiritual about talking about the essence of the technique. And that's the Shuha recycle. And it's the same thing with art. You, know, there's, you start by learning from what you see and then you come to understand it. And then there will come a point where you innovate. And so long as you don't steal art, so long as you always credit, everyone has had to learn that way. <clears throat> I copied art when I was four. I probably copied art when I was 12. Um, and every now and then I probably draw something that I'm dredging up a memory from 10 years ago and parts of that are going into it, but that's where it's at the recycle and everyone's always learning. Um, we shouldn't have this attitude that to copy someone else's artwork is somehow a sin to, to pass it off as your own. That's horrible, but to just to copy, to learn, to imitate so that you can innovate. We shouldn't, we shouldn't feel against that at all. Um, I, I just mentioned that one because, yeah, we spoke about that one. And at the time I went, oh, I'm sure there's more of this. And I had a think and I find it really fascinating after you mentioned it last time. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with you in that regards. Uh, I mean, like I always tell people, uh, the form of learning is always a sense of tradition when it comes to uh, repetition and uh, perception. So um, and just to sort of reference uh, another transformation artist by the name of What or What's Up, um, he uh, stated uh, as he was going through school for art and the like that he learned that the one and true and very practiced reason to learn to do something correct is to be told when you're doing something wrong and being shown how to do it the proper way. Um, so in a sense, uh, that does go hand in hand with what you're saying with the uh, being able to imitate what someone else is doing and then sort of going off on that to sort of um, go off on your own road to inspiration and uh, innovation. So uh, and I, I think that sort of goes in line with uh, how tradition goes, where the old wise man would pass off his uh, wisdom by uh, the experiences that he's gone through through his lifetime so uh yeah definitely absolutely can see that perspective absolutely. so uh, i, don't I know. like that you mentioned i like that you mentioned the old wise man telling it because of course then we're talking about how is it that human beings learn and that that's it i mean we we've as a as a people as a species or as a society i don't know but we've we've learned we've come up from this place where we'd learn from repetition we'd be told the folk tales and we'd learn to recite the folk tales and then you end up making up your own stories mm -hmm. most definitely so i didn't know if uh Jao had anything to add to that um from a professional wrestling standpoint uh if we didn't copy each other's work and learn from the generations beforehand like we wouldn't have anything to do uh i have stolen a lot of what i know from people that i've watched in the past I've learned a lot of what I know from people I've watched in the past. Um, I will then, you know, I will get taught a technique. I will then learn said technique. And again, it's essentially what, what Vixen was saying is that I will understand how that te technique works. And then I will incorporate my character, my character towards it and put my own spin on it. And suddenly it's, you know, I've reinvented it as something, you know, especially nowadays in the wrestling community, what was old suddenly becomes new again. There's just a cycle. Um, so what was old, you know, 20 years ago is suddenly fresh again because it hasn't been done in so long. 
So the old ways just keep coming back every now and then for the newer generation to recycle and learn from. Right on. So uh, again, I also wouldn't say I also wouldn't blatantly steal like John Cena's finishing move or something because you know, <laughs> yeah. like if you're not putting your own spin on it, then don't do it. It, it. it if you're just copying stuff for the sake of copying it and just you know you're being lazy, um, make it your own. Put your own spin on it for sure, for definite. Um, especially in the wrestling business, at least. Um, but there's but that's how no we learn. harm. Yeah, exactly. There's no harm even for you guys. You could you could totally nick his finishing move as part of training to to work on something. You just wouldn't yeah. go on to stage and do it. Exactly. Yeah. All right on. And uh, just a sort of reference, since you were mentioning uh, actors and the like learning to become what they are today, uh, just to sort of prove that sense uh, in my extensive research back in the grade school days of of uh, Sean Connery, I found that he had learned his methods through a very extensive and aggressive uh, book reading of various actors and their sort of books on why how to uh, perform correctly and how to um, get to get them toward is today. So uh, definitely is a proven fact in life and as it goes. So uh, yeah, definitely agree on that matter. Bab. Yeah. I say, darn it, we've missed missed a load of the interesting stuff, but it is a podcast. It is a podcast, and I understand we have to wrap up. But uh, I feel like we finally started getting on a roll. Stick an extra hour on. Go for it. Come on, cheesy. You can do it. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wish wish we could, but uh, we can probably leave that off for uh, the season finale. So yeah, there'll be a maybe, season finale. Yeah. Maybe you can. I'll that. try to get this lag sorted out before then as well. Yeah, maybe you can. Uh, Go off on your tangent spree for those other thoughts then. <laughs> <laughs> no, fewer tangents. We're getting better. We're getting better. But thank you again for having us on the show, Cheesy. Um, oh, do you want to know the interesting fact about British tea drinking that I said I'd share with you? <laughs> what is it? Okay, so we have a reputation for drinking a lot of tea. This is not a surprise. The degree to which this is ingrained in our infrastructure, though, I found out recently. Um, I don't know if you have them in America, but we have something we call soaps, which are basically TV shows that show on every night. Large portion of the population watches them, so they are massively watched. Now, of course, with drinking tea, in order to drink the tea, you have to pop on the kettle. It was discovered that in the break of these shows, so much power across the country was diverted into just boiling tea, boiling water for tea, that rolling blackouts happened. <laughs> we actually shorted out our infrastructure. So there's actually in Wales and in Scotland, there are two big power plants. And what they do is overnight, when there's lots of spare power on the grid, they pump water up to the top of a mountain. And it is scheduled every day for the break in the middle of these TV shows, they drop the water through hydraulic turbines to provide enough power for us to all drink our tea. <laughs> How is that for a nation properly obsessed and systematic about our tea drinking? Well, uh, I guess I that, quite like it. I guess that's that is of, pretty genius. Sort of confirms all these stereotypes about British and their tea. 
There are such a thing as positive stereotypes. <laughs> well, as long as you guys view it as positive, I guess that'll make it okay then. <laughs> well, so, it's uh, true. But no, uh, thanks for having us, Cheesy. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Was there any last few words you guys had for the community? Do you want to take this one first, words. Yeah? Famous last oh. words. Make them good. Make them good. <laughs> Make them good. Um, only just in general, like, just guys, just keep being awesome. Like, if you're just coming into the community, you know, hopefully you'll be welcomed with open arms. We're all, we're all the same here, you know. Uh, if you're just starting out as an artist, you know, no matter what you have to do, you know, keep expressing yourself. Just keep putting stuff out there. Uh, same thing as writing, you know, there's, there's some fantastic TS. Uh, fiction out there you know um just, just you know keep contributing to the community in any way you can for those of us like myself that can't you know uh, art or write then you know keep commissioning people keep commissioning the artists that you like commission artists that maybe you haven't commissioned from before just you know it all contributes to the community just be awesome just be excellent to each other and party on, dudes, <laughs> as they say. Uh, in which case, you've already covered a lot of it. I was just going to second the, I love the TF community. Uh, the fact that transfer has just made it all spring up and now we're we're launching out into pockets and the, the friendliness and the support, especially in my illness I've had from you guys, is just second to none. Um, guys, stay awesome. Thank you for all the support you've given me, uh, all the encouragement. I will do my absolute best to repay every confidence you've given me with some awesome artwork. But above all else, I just want to see this community thrive because it is full of awesome people. Um, and yeah, keep it up, guys. I'll see you around. All right. Transform. So, <laughs> so uh, again, like always, appreciate you two coming in. And uh, it was definitely great to hear both of your experiences and opinions, especially coming from the other side of the world, outside of the U.S. borders. So uh, uh, glad to have you here, and hopefully we'll see you towards the season of finale. So uh, just in terms of uh, how to find out a little bit more about these two lovely people here, uh, we'll go ahead and start with uh, Foxy Dragon, a.k.a. Uh, Urban Vixen. So uh, if you want to find more about her work and her commissions, uh, you can find her Fur Affinity page, which is uh, furaffinity.net forward slash user forward slash Foxy Dragon. And you can view her uh, arts in there and sort of get an idea of what her style is and maybe even commission her in the future. Um, and then also, of course, with her Transformation Clinic, if you want more information about that, uh, you can go ahead and visit the site for that, which is uh, www.tf-clinic.co.uk. And uh, you can find all the wonderful patients in their uh wonderful experiences in the tf clinic there for your viewing pleasure and then we'll also helpfully helpfully i'm on transfer as urban vixen because you know why be predictable of course <laughs> there you go <laughs> so uh more channels to reach urban vixen here and uh to get a little bit more in a sense of knowledge of her whereabouts and uh her uh art style and all that so uh moving on to jaganitsu here um if you want to see a little bit, you have a couple of commissions on your 
for affinity, right? Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay, so if you want to find a little bit of what he's commissioned uh, as far as maybe with his wrestling character or just his persona in general, you can find his for affinity page at foraffinity.net forward slash uh, user forward slash jogenetsu, that is J-O-W-G-E-N-E-T-S-U. And uh, you can find him and his uh, commission that he's uh, commissioned off there and maybe even a little bit about his wrestling there. That's what I'm looking at here. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, there's the links as well. Um, uh, also, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jaogenetsu. Again, J-O-W-G-E-N-E-T-S-U. And for the wrestling fans out there, www.kapowwrestling.co.uk is the promotion that I work for mainly. And that will give you a couple of hints into what we're all about there. Right on. So, uh, well, again, thank you to you for listening. And uh, just to sort of close it off, uh, just want to give a big thanks to the both of you two here in the UK. Uh, I think we've reached one million signatures for the Jeremy Clarkson petition. So we're getting there. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. You did not mention which petition is this. You said there was nothing to do with Jeremy Clarkson earlier. You absolutely said that. What is the petition? So we are very close to getting Jeremy Clarkson re, uh, reinserted into the Top Gear show after we don't being want him to be discharged. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> So I appreciate your contribution to that. No, I did not. I, I, I am slow clapping. <laughs> I am slow clapping just for you. I'm you cheesy. <laughs> Jow's livid. <laughs> so uh, definitely great to see those putting in towards <laughs> Legend of UK there. So uh, on that note, I'll go ahead and close off this podcast episode. Again, thanks everybody for listening in and towards your com- uh, contributions towards the podcast. It certainly does drive it forward. So uh, until next time, that'll be it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Later. See ya. And that brings a close to episode five, season five of the Changing Times podcast. So like I've said before, uh, just a bit of a correction for uh, Urban, Urban Vixen on her TF Clinic website. Uh, she has told me the correct URL for that website is uh, www.tfclinic.co.uk. Uh, so I did put a hyphen in between the TF and clinic. So that is incorrect. The correct URL is www.tfclinic.co.uk. Um, and like I've said in the podcast episode, if you want to see more into her patients, which she uh, has updated as of recently with two new patients, or I'm sorry, uh, it's one patient uh, that she had run a poll for. Uh, I believe it was a male patient as a Eastern Chinese dragon. And the other one was as, um, I believe, was a mermaid. I have to look into that again. I'm sure I'm wrong, as always. So uh, if you want to correct me if you like, you can check into the actual website for yourself to see what the uh, winner for that poll contest was for the next patient for her to uh, transform into a subject of matter of species. So... um, you can take a gander on her site 
and she also has uh, some commission information on her side as well as well as some uh, patreon information that she has uh, done for that as well i think she has a patreon that she has go alongside with that so um in regards to that i appreciate everybody for listening in and uh just looking at the uh, current candidates for the season looks like we're having quite the extensive season this time around so uh you'll definitely be hearing quite a bit from varying parts in the community for this season so uh, i'm sure you're looking forward to that and this is cheesy i am looking forward to uh having you guys listening in to what our community has to say in the future so uh, i'm signing off this is the changing times i will see you guys next time